0: Hello readers and listeners, this is Karen Hunt, aka KH Majek, with a new essay here. Uh, this essay is pretty brutal, <laughs> I will give you that warning, um, and uh, but it's a very, very important essay, as all my essays are very important, at least um, I think so. That's why I write them. So this essay is called Cool Cannibals. Death makes me very angry. It doesn't make any sense to me. Death has never made any sense to me. How can a person be there and then just vanish, just not be there? And that's Larry Ellison. Three years ago, I didn't know about the gruesome practices you are going to read about here. Part science, part magic, they are the stuff of nightmares. They are the dreams of eternal youth. While animals and artificial intelligence are being humanized, humans are being dehumanized. Who will gain from this and who will lose? Warning. This essay contains photos and information about cruelty to animals and humans and might be disturbing for some. Truth is seldom popular and often hard to face. Every month, Li Shan Su receives a small test tube on ice from a company in California. In it is a piece of liver from a human fetus aborted at between 14 and 19 weeks of pregnancy. Here is a 14 week old fetus. The large dark mass is the very desirable liver. And you can look at the photos in my written essay. And here is a 19 week old fetus. Scientific America describes how Sue and his staff at the University of North Carolina carefully grind the liver, centrifuge it, and then extract and purify liver and blood forming stem cells. They inject the cells into the livers of newborn mice and allow those mice to mature. The resulting animals are the only humanized mice with both functioning human liver and immune cells, and for Su, they are invaluable in his work on hepatitis B and C, allowing him to probe how the viruses evade the human immune system and cause chronic liver diseases. Using fetal tissue is not an easy choice, but so far there is no other better option, says Su, who has tried and failed to make a humanized mouse from other techniques. The Seattle Times, companies that obtain fetal tissue from clinics and sell it to laboratories exist in a gray zone legally. Federal law says they cannot profit from the tissue itself, but the law does not specify how much they can charge for processing and shipping. The National Institutes of Health spent $76 million on research using fetal tissue back in 2014 with grants to more than 50 universities. Some researchers receive the tissue from abortion clinics at their own institutions or from tissue banks maintained by some universities. Some buy the tissue from companies that act as middlemen. These companies pay small fees, usually $100 or or less to to a specimen, to abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. The companies then process the tissue and sell it to researchers for higher prices that reflect the processing. According to Arthur Kaplan, director of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU Langon Medical Center, fees can run into the thousands of dollars for a tiny vial of cells, but they, this does not break the law. It appears to be legal no matter how much you charge, says Kaplan. It's a very gray and musty area as to what you can charge, since there is little or no oversight of the processing fees. STEM Express, a small company in California, is where the majority of researchers buy tissue. It describes itself as the largest provider of maternal blood and fetal tissue globally. In a 2015 article in the Washington Times, a former technician for STEM Express told how an aborted baby was kept alive so that its heart could be harvested at a California Planned Parenthood facility. Holly O'Donnell, a former blood and tissue procurement technician for the biotech startup STEM Express, also said she was asked to harvest an intact brain from the late-term male fetus whose heart was still beating after the abortion. A STEM Express supervisor gave me the scissors and told me that I had to cut down the middle of the face, and I can't even describe what that feels like, said Ms. O'Donnell. The Federal Born Alive Infants Protection Act of 2002 says that when a child is born alive, including having a beating heart, he or she is a legal person and has a right to life-saving medical care. Yet, proof has been obtained that clinics purposely keep aborted babies alive for their internal organs and tissue. The Center for Medical Progress is calling for the federal government to cease its $500 million a year support to Planned Parenthood and for it to be investigated. You can find documents and sworn testimony from Planned Parenthood and other abortion industry witnesses concerning the harvesting and sale of aborted fetal fetal tissue here. And again, you can go to my written essay to find that information. In a September 2019 hearing, Forrest Smith, an obstetrician-gynecologist who performed abortions in California, testified not only that Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics were selling aborted baby parts for profit, but babies were often born alive then murdered in order to ensure the organs to be sold were more fresh and intact. Despite countless investigations over the years, companies like StemExpress seem to be as busy as ever. You can order online from their website high-quality, fresh, and cyropreserved human cells, tissues, and blood products. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines humanized animals, such as the mice in Li Shan Su's experiments as, to cause a non-human organism or one of its parts to include components, such as cells, tissues, or genes, of human origin, or to produce human substances or components, such as insulin. It's okay to mess with the creature's simple parts, the plumbing in its gut, let's say, but we're risking moral crisis when we start to humanize its neural tissue, That science writer Daniel Engber. How far are we willing to go in melding animals and humans? Why are they really doing this in the first place? The COVID lies have opened our eyes to how the umbrella of health and safety covers a multitude of dark and devious undertakings. Promises to eradicate disease hide the real agenda of those who tinker with the building blocks of life. As I have said in my recently published Utopian Madness, these people are insane, but they are also extremely rich and powerful. These few madmen are wreaking havoc on humanity while the rest of us sit back and allow ourselves to be entertained by their exploits in outer space. It's too tempting to hope we can be special too and hop a ride along with them. Do you really think that their concern is curing a drug addict or a homosexual of hepatitis B or C or HIV or the inner city poor of diabetes and high blood pressure? Or saving the life of a woman by aborting her near-term baby? I'd say that's a no, just as surely as it's a no that the mRNA vaccines are about saving us all from COVID. Perhaps researchers like Shan Su genuinely care about helping their patients. But if you believe that God's pushing for and paying for these experiments really care too, then I have a brand new nasal spray to sell you for $10 billion that promises to cure COVID at least for a month or two. Why is it that the category of fetal tissue work attracting the most NIH funding is a study of HIV and AIDS accounting for 64 of the 164 NIH grants? I don't have an answer for that right now, but this is the question we should be asking ourselves. What do they really want to gain from this research? In a 2021 opinion piece for Newsweek, David Daliden, founder of the Center for Medical Progress, testified in the Pennsylvania House Health Committee's hearing how the University of Pittsburgh hosts disturbing and barbaric government-sponsored experiments on aborted babies, infant scalping, exporting fetal kidneys, and killing live aborted infants by her organ harvesting. In one study published last year, Pitt scientists described scalping five month old aborted babies to stitch onto the backs of lab rats. They wrote about how they cut the scalps from the heads and backs of the babies, scraping off the excess fat under the baby's skin before stitching it onto the rats. They even included photos of the baby's hair growing out of the scalps. Each scalp belonged to a little Pennsylvania baby whose head would grow those same hairs if he or she were not aborted for experiments with lab rats. How was this paid for? With a $430,000 grant from Dr. Anthony Fauci's NIAID office at the NIH. Reading these macabre practices, this statement made by Nazi doctor Julius Hallervorden, Nuremberg Trials, 1945, If you are going to kill all these Jewish babies, at least take the brains out so that the material may be utilized. Doesn't sound much different from this statement made by Dr. Leonard Bailey, who gained fame for transplanting a baboon's heart into a newborn baby. It's absolutely absurd that I have a legal right to abort that baby out of the mother within a week of delivery and throw it out, but because it's delivered, I have no access to it for its organs. They are all Nazis, and their goal has always been saving the lives of the privileged while practicing eugenics on everyone else. The proof is all around us if we would but open our eyes. They do not care about the poor in Africa. If they did, malaria would have been eradicated years ago by eliminating the mosquito that carries it rather than the continual support of an industry costing $10.3 billion a year. If they cared about the people of Ukraine, the war with Russia would not only be over, but it would have never happened in the first place. Instead, the U.S. government has hemorrhaged more than $54 billion to Ukraine in a matter of months, calling it aid when it's really nothing more than money laundering and the enslavement of a nation through debt, something the U.S. has done to many nations over the years. Once started, these gravy trains are too lucrative to stop. Too many companies, too many people profit from ongoing health and war crises. As far back as 1978, young people were being indoctrinated in universities to accept their own dehumanization and cannibalization by the elite. The question in university philosophy classes, can the fetus be an organ farm? Hastings Center Report, was answered with a resounding yes thanks to philosophy professor Mary Ann Warren and others like her. Not only that, But why shouldn't women become pregnant specifically and intentionally for the purpose of growing babies for the sole purpose of harvesting their organs? That was more than 40 years ago. How many diseases have been eradicated since then thanks to the organ harvesting of fetuses? Well, according to MIT Technology Review, no field of biotechnology has promised more and delivered less in the way of treatments than embryonic stem cells. In the same period of time since the Supreme Court legalized abortion in Roe v. Wade in 1973, almost 63.5 million babies have been killed in abortion. Why? According to the Daily Beast, way back in the 70s, longevity researchers declared that with proper financing, of course, science would unravel all the mysteries of aging within five years. Five years later, the San Francisco Chronicle reported that human life could be extended to 800 years. That same year, an outfit called Microwave Instrument Company in Del Mar, California, said they'd have immortality drugs on the market within three years. And here we are billions of dead babies later, billions of poor and vulnerable people being experimented on, and what are we left with? More lies, more empty promises. More money than ever is being invested in this scam. The quest is only heating up. Instead of certain undesirables and expendables, all of humanity is being transitioned is being transitioned into a lower life form to be cannibalized for the desires of the earthly gods. If anything shows us the truth, COVID does. As Naomi Wolf powerfully stated in her latest piece, Facing the Beast, since I first started reading the reports produced by by the 3,000 medical and scientific experts of the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Document Research Volunteers team, based on the 55 thousand Pfizer documents released under court order, I knew I was seeing not just medicine gone wrong, not just a greedy pharmaceutical company and a regulatory agency that was fully corrupted, but rather, or additionally, I was seeing a massive act of war. This is a war on us, on our children, and even our unborn babies. In a previous essay, I wrote about scientists creating the world's first monkey embryos containing human cells. The embryos were then injected with human stem cells in the lab and allowed to grow for, for 20 days before being destroyed. Why destroyed at 20 days? Because as one Juan Carlos Espesua Belmont, former professor in the Gene Expression Laboratory at the Salk Institute for Biological Sciences explained, that is when a spark of life occurs turning a jumble of cells into what will become a human being. So, scientists For scientists, there is a moment when a fetus becomes a human being and it is at 20 days. What do they really want to find out what makes that secret spark life? It should not be surprising that a company called Los Altos Labs came calling for Juan Carlos Belmont, in January 2022, it was announced that he would be leaving the Salk Institute for Los Altos Labs to study cellular rejuvenation programming with the goal of improving human health. Improving human health? Improving Jeff Bezos' health and others in the God's inner circle. In September 2021, Jeff Bezos invested heavily in Los Altos Labs, also backed by Russian-Israeli venture capitalist Yuri Milner. Previously, in 2018, Bezos in- invested in Unity Biotechnology, a company designing drugs and treatments that can make a person functional and free of the diseases associated with age- aging for as long as possible. As we are unable to conduct certain types of experiments in humans, it is essential that we have better models to more accurately study and understand human biology and disease, said Belmont. Ah, what a mor- how moral of them! Does anyone really believe these experiments are only being conducted on rats and monkeys and not on humans? In 2006, evidence obtained by the BBC showed that healthy newborn babies may have been killed in Ukraine to feed a flourishing international trade in stem cells. Disturbing video footage of post-mortem examinations on dismembered tiny bodies raises serious questions about what happened to them. Ukraine has become the self-styled stem cell capital of the world. There is a trade in stem cells from from aborted fetuses amid unproven claims that they can help fight many diseases. But now there are claims that stem cells are also being harvested from live babies. The BBC has spoken to mothers from the city of Kharkiv who say they, they gave birth to healthy babies only to have them taken by maternity staff. In 2003, the authorities agreed to exhume around 30 bodies of fetuses and full-term babies from a cemetery used by Maternity Hospital No. 6. One campaigner was allowed into the autopsy to, give, to gather video evidence. She has given that footage to the BBC and Council of Europe. In this report, the council describes a general culture of trafficking of children snatched at birth and a wall of silence from hospital staff upwards over their fate. The pictures show organs, including brains, have been stripped and some bodies dismembered. A senior British forensic pathologist says he is very concerned to see bodies in pieces as that is not standard post-mortem practice. It could possibly be a result of harvesting stem cells from bone marrow. Sacrificing the vulnerable for the sake of the elite is nothing new. Child sacrifice occurred in Aztec, Inca, Maya, Moque, and Timoto Timoteca cultures. Suica cultures, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. In order to protect the souls of more powerful humans from supernatural beings that it was thought wanted to consume them, infants were substituted. As Pope Innocent eighth lay on his deathbed in 1492, three 10-year-old boys were offered a pittance of pay to give their blood to the pontiff. They all died as a result. Murder of black children of all ages for body parts, with which to make muti, for purposes of witchcraft, still occurs in South Africa. Traditional healers or witch doctors grind up body parts and combine them with roots, herbs, seawater, animal parts, and other ingredients to prepare potions and spells for their clients. In the early 21st century, Uganda has experienced a revival of child sacrifice. There are many indicators that politicians and politically connected wealthy businessmen are involved in sacrificing children in practice of traditional religion, which has been a commercial enterprise, which has become a commercial enterprise. A witch doctor explains how clients have come to him in search of wealth. They capture other people's children. They bring the heart and the blood directly here to take to the spirits. In a BBC News Newsnight report, witch doctors revealed the extent of child sacrifice in Uganda. One mother whose three-year-old son's penis was cut off for sacrifice said, Every time I recall the normal birth that I had and the way Mukisa is now, it is like the end of the world. We look on all this with horror and revulsion. These practices are for the ignorant. Anyone still doing this must surely be ignorant, backward, and most importantly, uneducated. But that is not the case. The uber-rich in the land of the clouds think nothing of feeding off the rest of us in their craving for youth. Exclusive clinics all over the world cater to the wealthy. An article in Physicians for Life exposes the Institute of Regenerative Medicine. The IRM has gone a long way toward fulfilling its promise to make Barbados the embryonic stem cell capital of the world. It imports aborted baby parts from Ukraine. Liquefies them into a kind of pre born puree, then injects them directly into the arms or body organs of customers. According to the IRM, these cells use a kind of radar to seek out diseased or damaged cells in the patient's body and repair them. The IRM claims an astonishing 96% improvement rate in curing virtually every disease ever recorded. Rich English and American women find their way to this remote complex at their own expense, of course and are injected with fetal stem cells at $25,000 per session. Barnett Siskind, CEO of the IRM, says that it's the most natural form of healing there is. You think better, sleep better, look better, your quality of life improves, and your libido certainly improves. It is just a small part of a worldwide network of trafficking in human stem cells and organs, not only from embryos and fetuses, but from late-term aborted babies and even newborn babies. Here are a few more examples of modern-day witch doctors. One, Malibu psychiatrist William C. Radar's now-debunked anti-aging Medra Clinic in the Bahamas raked in more than $30 million in just three years before being kicked off the island. Two, Biomark International was founded in a condominium by a former model with no medical training whatsoever. She treated at least 220 patients at a cost of up to $21,000 each by injecting them with fetal stem cells, regardless of the disease they were suffering. The co-founders of Biomark fled fled the U.S. after their operation was shut down by the FDA and they promptly set up a Swiss bank account and began operations in London, contracting with Mexican doctors to do fetal stem cell injections. Three, Kiev's Embryonic Tissue Center is operated by Alexander Smikodub and Alexei Karpenko, who have treated more than 2,000 patients at a total cost of more than $30 million. Both have worked with William Rader in the past. Mcell's website makes the usual bombastic claims about dramatic improvements in treating a stunning range of infirmities and diseases. Four, China's (laughs) Hongyong drills holes in the skulls of people with ALS and injects fetal stem tissues directly into their brains. He presented his findings to a team of Harvard University doctors, but admitted having no scientific data, and he essentially confessed to the assembly that he had absolutely no idea what he was doing. Clinical testing of such injections for Parkinson's disease ended in tragedy. More than half of the patients developed irreversible and uncontrollable movements of their limbs. But this is all small potatoes. Besides Bezos, there are, here who, are who are some of the other crazy earthly gods who are investing billions into their quest for immortality? Well, here are a few of the most notable. One, Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle Corporation, Ellison has set up a foundation dedicated to ending mortality, or at least to understanding lifespan development processes and age-related diseases and disabilities, Two. Paul F. Glenn, Santa Barbara-based venture capitalist and investor. Besides supporting traditional laboratory research at institutions like Harvard, Princeton, MIT, Stanford, he, 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 con- his con- he contributed his contribution to the Methuselah Foundation, whose co-founder Aubrey de Grey claims that the first person to live to be 1,000 years old is certainly alive today. 3. Dmitry Itskov, the 32-year-old Russian multimillionaire, started the 2045 initiative with the goal of creating technologies enabling the transfer of an individual's personality to a more advanced non-biological carrier and extending life, including to the point of immortality. He says he is 100% certain that humans will attain immortality by the year 2045. Four, Peter Thiel. Thiel has invested heavily in enterprises dedicated to physical immortality, such as the Sens Foundation and startup Halcyon Molecular. Its founder, William Andrag, told TechCrunch.com he plans to live for millions, billions, hundreds of billions of years. Halcyon Molecular quietly went out of business last summer. Five, Sergey Brin, Google co-founder, invests in everything from synthetic test tube, burgers, to prototypes of Google Glass, robotic eyewear permanently synced to the internet. Google recently hired the radical futurist Ray Kurzweil to be their director of engineering. He famously claims humans will merge with computers over the next few decades to become immortal super beings. These guys remind us of dogs chasing their tails, thinking they are about to catch something really good to eat. Then they bite themselves, howl, nurse their wound for a bit, and start all over again. No, Larry Allison, we aren't there and then just vanish. But it's pointless telling you that, Mr. Delusional. Nothing ever changes with the elite, not their quest and not the disappointing results. All those deaths for the sake of life. And guess what? We are all destined to die anyway, but it should never be at the hands of another. Those who seek this earthly immortality hate truth. We all must die. We must leave this earth and travel on. In Empire of Deceit, I described the last moments of my sister's death as I sat beside her bed. Without a doubt, I saw my sister's spirit leave her body that day. The light was there, and then it wasn't. A mystery none of us can ever understand. For to know the mystery of life would make us God, and that... We can never be. The miracle that the gods of this earth want to capture for themselves, the mystery that happens, according to Juan Carlos Belmont, at 20 days. The pharaohs spent their lives preparing for immortality in the afterworld by building the biggest, most impressive structures, such as the pyramids for all the world to see, or the tombs in the Valley of the Kings hidden away so that no one could steal their wealth that was hoarded into the tombs upon their deaths. The jobs, the commerce, the religion, the entire society was structured around ensuring the immortality of these earthly gods. Thousands of years later, scientists and explorers uncovered the tombs and opened the sarcophagi. What did they find? The mummified remains of these gods, bits of flesh hanging onto bone, no more blood, organs preserved in jars, all of that effort for nothing. We are supposed to go along with this continued farce, Technologies that initially are only affordable to the rich typically become more widely available with time, that Stefan Schubert, a researcher at the London School of Economics and Political Science, who specializes in effective altruism, told CNBC. Tech investor Jan Tallinn, the co founder of Skype, told CNBC that Silicon Valley's quest to live forever will eventually benefit humanity as a whole. I think involuntary death is clearly morally bad, which makes the quest for longevity a morally noble thing to engage in, Talene said. Early adopters always tend to pay more and take larger risks than the mass market. So if therapies start off on the expensive or risky side, that's to be expected. Hey, peons, just wait your turn. We cool cannibals promise that once we achieve immortality for ourselves, we'll give you a taste, you know, the trickle-down effect. Until then, be reasonable and let us feed off of you and your unborn children a little bit longer. It's for your own good. It's for your health and safety. The end. (laughs) Wow, that was a lot to read. Thank you for listening and making it to the end. Please comment, share, and please subscribe. I would appreciate it. God bless you all.